Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Caligaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. And today we are joined by one of my very favorite guests, Dr. Mark Stiving, former instructor, still does some instructing for us, pricing expert, founder and chief pricing officer of Impact Pricing, and just a, a, a pilot traveling the, the world these days. Hi, Mark. Hey, Rebecca. I love the fact that I'm one of the best minds. I just thought it excites <laughs> me. <laughs> You know, there's some hyperbole there. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but when it comes to pricing, you are one of my favorite people to talk about. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, so it's got to be an awesome topic. It is. It is a great topic, right? Uh, pricing every time we do. And I think what's really interesting today is we're going to dive in a little bit about something that all of us do, I think, particularly during COVID, but I think some of us just have that happening grave, like streaming services, right? Ooh. Like I... I, I, it is an embarrassment the number of streaming services I had. And I was talking to, to Kelly, one of the ladies who works for me, she said, but that's okay, because then you don't have to pay for cable. And I was like, oh, but yeah, no, I do all of that. So I have like <laughs> cable and every streaming service, uh, package there is. So, but I think they're super interesting models when you look at how those different subscription services have handled pricing. Okay, wait, you have to confess. Did you count how many? I started to, and then I was like, well, that. There's no, there's no need to dig deeper. It's, it's a lot. So you ran out of fingers. On one hand, yes. <laughs> okay, got it. Got it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't finish the second hand, but uh, yeah. And I'm, okay. I'm one of those people that's not great at canceling their subscription services. So. We, we uh, subscription companies love people like you. Yes, I am their, I am their favorite. <laughs> well, you know, one day you might want to watch that show whatever show you're keeping the subscription oh, for. Oh, oh, I have to say, we do we do watch quite a bit, but yes. Uh, there are a few though that like, I think I bought the service for a show and that show has been over and I haven't stopped it because I'm, again, not good at that. But anywho, uh, anywho. I think the one of the that we always think about first, I think is Netflix. Uh, and I know you and I have talked about Netflix in the past and we've talked about, you know, sort of the, gosh, the first time they changed their prices and the 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 giant outrage and outroar, right? But like now they change it seemingly monthly and no one notices. <laughs> but Netflix is looking a, a little bit different, right? They're doing some different things, which are pretty unique in this space. Well, they're trying something different, and it'll be uh, it'll be pretty fascinating to see whether it works. And uh, who's going to describe it? You or me? You are. I am excellent. So what Netflix is doing, and many of you have probably seen this in the news is they're starting to charge based on the number of passwords or the number of subscribers or locations. They're trying to get some of us to stop sharing our subscriptions with other people. Uh, now, I don't know about you, Rebecca. I used to share my subscription with my dad. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so I thought that was legit. It was okay. And I always felt a twinge of guilt, but not too much. Um, do, you, do you share? I did the same thing. I used to share it with my parents. And that was the one place where I was like, oh, but that's okay. They would watch it very rarely. And we are technically family. So it seems, you know, okay. <laughs> right. It's okay. And they live close by. I'm, you know, he just lives on the other side of the country. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's the same, you know, hemisphere. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but if you think about it, what, what's going on inside the world of Netflix and why would they start doing that? 
Um, and, and, you know, I don't know about you. I have no inside knowledge about what Netflix does. Um, I just make guesses constantly about when I see companies do things. Oh, this is why, this is what's going to make sense. Now, doesn't it make sense that almost everybody has a Netflix subscription now? Yes. And, and it's so, like, it's surprising to me that if someone doesn't, or I guess they either don't, or they borrow someone else's, right. <laughs> what Netflix is thinking. That's their hypothesis. Yeah. And if, the, if someone doesn't have a Netflix subscription, whether they're borrowing from someone or paying for it, odds are good they're just not going to watch Netflix at this point. Uh, and, and so now, how does Netflix continue to grow? Hmm. Uh, their growth has slowed down pretty dramatically. Uh, and, and that could be due to competition. It could be due to saturated marketplace. It uh, could so be due to competition. Market penetration is pretty high, right? Yep. Yeah, market penetration is pretty high. So what they're trying to do is figure out, well, can we get these people who are freeloading off of us uh, to actually start paying for us? And what I love about this strategy isn't that they're going to make more money, although, you know, hey, all companies should figure out how to make more money. Um, what I love about it is that they're really doing a price segmentation or market segmentation technique here to say, okay, who's who are the people who are using us for free? If we tick them off and lose them, we didn't lose anything. Who are the people who are paying us and sharing their subscription with somebody else? Is it possible we'll lose those people or some of those people if we decide to char start charging their friends or their family or whoever that is? And, and I think, you know, they probably did some research, but, but they're doing market research now, uh, studies to see if this is going to work or not. And my gut would say they're going to get more people who are addicted to Netflix but used to using it for free to start paying than people who are paying today to start uh, or to unsubscribe because they can't give it away for free anymore. Yeah, it's interesting too, from what I've read, again, I have no insider Netflix knowledge. So if someone listening does, please let us know, we'd be fascinated. Uh, <laughs> but like that there's kind of two models they're going after. One is let's say Mark, that you let your college roommate do it. And they say, oh, you can add, add what sounds like a somewhat cheaper extension for them. So you could pay maybe half of what you pay for yourself to support your, your beloved college friend, right? That's one model. Or the other model they have supported is that your college friend, you know that you support your college friend, your college friend has an option then to sort of take the sub account that was under yours and come out and make it a, a paid account that they paid for. So like you could have the conversation with the person who, who you share with to do. And it, it sounds, so I think it's fascinating that they support both, right? You can keep sharing it. Here's an extra fee you will pay to do that. Or you should kick your freeloading friend off and here's how they can keep their account. Very interesting and very interesting, the options and the choices. Yeah. So in the first option, uh, it's incremental revenue, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I would have done that for my dad. Yeah, me too. Right. The second option is pretty interesting because if it was my brother, I may not have done that. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so he gets kicked off, but he gets to keep all of the data uh, with his account. So all of his preferences are still known, the things he's already watched, the thumbs up. Uh, so all of that gets transferred over. And so it's a nice way to get the data migration to move into a new client. And, uh, and so we don't have clients that say, oh, I'm just going to quit Netflix now. It gives these people more reason to stay. Mm -hmm. Well, and then it, it helps Netflix obviously track 
that, right? See how many people were in that scenario kind of thing. Yeah, no, I had the same thought. I'm like, well, I probably would have done that for my parents. But, you know, again, if someone was tracking it elsewhere or, you know, if you do an Airbnb and you forget to sign out all of those ways, it would, it would stop some of those. It'll be interesting to watch because in my mind, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, what happens if I'm traveling? And so mm -hmm. if I'm traveling, does it just know the fact that I'm watching on the same iPad every time I go someplace? Does it know that I'm in, you know, Virginia or, or Columbus or someplace else? Well, and I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a really smart test. I think they're doing it in like three countries, right? So in it, you know, they can test it. They can kind of see to some extent if, if anybody does it, it's up because it, the workaround to not like you could still share your password with your brother, right? Like every time it required you to reset every six months or whatever, I don't know what framework they're doing. You could still share it out. So if you really were passionate about getting to need to do that, you could. And so the, the idea that you'd be so frustrated and leave would be really small. So anyone who felt anyone who felt compelled then to be like, well, maybe I'm old enough now to have my own, you would it would just all be incremental. So fascinating. It really is, and it's not that expensive. Just pay for it. Dang it. Well, yes. So speaking of Netflix, and and I I know we weren't really going to talk about this, but I'm going to bring it up. It's kind of cool. I love all of these uh, competitors to Netflix that have come up. Right. I think we all had Netflix accounts because it was where you go. It's how you stream. But all of a sudden we have tons of different competitors, which you, you happen to subscribe to all of them, I believe. Um, <laughs> yes, if you like the full list, I can give you it. Yes. <laughs> so we have lots of different competitors. And so Netflix does a new price increase, which they seem to do once a year nowadays. Mm -hmm. And I found it interesting because I wonder if this price increase won't work as well as previous ones did. Because now I could imagine you getting that $2 price increase and saying to yourself, you know, I've been watching a lot of Apple Plus lately. Mm -hmm. I've been watching a lot of Hulu. I don't really watch stuff on Netflix right now. I think I'm just going to cancel it for now. And, you know, maybe I'll pick it up in a year when they bring some, some uh, new series back or some of my favorite series and they get some new episodes back in. It wouldn't surprise me if this latest price increase actually doesn't work out as well as the previous ones have. But it's interesting too, because it, just to your point, they were such a dominant share of it, right? That that's, you know, you have the buttons on your remote and it was Netflix 95% of the time and maybe it was Amazon Prime. And it's it's very different now for, for my house, it changes for different people. I mean, there's still plenty of value over there, but uh, it, they don't have quite the same power center that they had. Yeah, it used to be that everybody with content wanted it on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Now everybody with content wants their own streaming service. <laughs> right. There are a few that feel like they're, they're really pushing it because there's not enough new stuff there. But one of the other services, though, that I wanted to talk to you about that is very popular in my home, uh, although we got it for Mandalorian for my husband and I, but we do have a 12-year-old daughter. So the Disney channel, the Disney Plus is, is on quite a bit at my house. And it, it was not a small amount for a new streaming service. Uh, they did quite well, but they're looking now at offering to going back and having an ad version. They've always been kind of very much against. So they're looking at a smaller amount and fee to have an ad supported version. Pretty fascinating, isn't it? I, I didn't see on this one. Are they testing it or are they rolling it out? Have you, did you see that? I got the impression they were rolling it out, but that's a great question. Again, also don't have any insider information from Disney. Yeah. <laughs> The mouse me, did not call. <laughs> me either. But let's talk about what that actually says. 
And I think there's two big lessons or two things for us to watch for as we watch this uh, roll out. It'll be fun. Uh, so the first lesson is the exact same lesson we just saw with Netflix. And that is we're trying to do price segmentation or market segmentation. How do we get different customers with different willingnesses to pay to still buy our product? And um, by offering this lower, this ad, ad supported version, we're finding people who are very price sensitive and hopefully bringing them into our world, bringing them into our marketplace. Uh, so I think that's a really important lesson for everybody to think about is how do I get different people with different willingnesses to pay, to pay us that amount and still buy our product. But I also think, you know, you they, mm. they, they did a launch. No one was sure they've been quite successful. They've had new content. So they've, they, they probably have got to the people who, who were uh, early adopters in. And one of the, it's not just, it's price sensitivity, but I suspect it's also price sensitivity for those who like, I'd be willing to try it and see, right? Where they weren't quite as drawn by the Mandalorian as perhaps my family was, right? Without the Mandalorian, I don't know that we would have had a catalyst that brought us there. So how do they get those who don't have that to go ahead and try it? And you yeah. know, if they're generally 30 to 40% less with ad versions, then that's one option. Well, and that's another interesting point because I had Disney for a little bit and uh, chose not to keep it. But I mean, what is it? It's 12 bucks a month. So you pay for a month and you get to use it and say, do I like it or do I not like it? And I yeah. think there was even a free trial period, but you know, that's not enough time to figure out what you like. So I would never ever, this is me personally, would never take an ad supported version. No, I wouldn't either, but I have the option. I can but, afford the extra. Yeah. But if I had kids and wasn't watching the Mandalorian myself, I might take the ad supported version. <laughs> <laughs> You've never had a kid really want the thing they saw in an ad, though. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no ads for the kiddos. <laughs> okay, good, good. I thought I was going to save a few bucks. Okay. No, but it's, Wait, but it's true, right? Yeah, but here's the, other, here's the other lesson I want people to walk away from. And, and I don't know the answer to this. We're going to watch this, and, and hopefully Disney will share some information. Anytime we offer a lower-end version of our product, some people who buy the high-end version mm -hmm will switch down. Mm. And so the huge risk that these guys are, are uh, taking right now is people like you, people who pay full price for the Disney subscription, say, you know what, I'm a little price sensitive. I think I'm gonna take the discount and watch ads when I do this. And, and so they may end up losing some revenue at the same time they're picking some up from people who are joining. It's true, it's hard to know the, the balance. And it's interesting to me that, I'm gonna switch a little bit, but that there isn't a, a, a service out there with a good, better, best option, right? It's always just the two, right? It's the free or the, with ads or the, or the not. And I always think, ah, oh, no, my good friend, Mark always talks about the importance of a good, better, best. Always. It's because a little odd. It's a little odd. So, so think about your cable company for a second. They actually offer you a good, better, best. Maybe they offer five different good, better, best options, <laughs> but they have the, how many channels you're going to get in this plan and how many channels you're going to get in that plan. These streaming services could do something similar if they wanted to, uh, they, they could pull that off. They choose not to. And then Netflix does actually offer a good, better, best, but it's in a weird way. It's how many simultaneous screens can you be watching? Oh. One, two, or four. And uh, that also is correlated, their good, better, best is correlated with the quality of the digital signal you receive. So I think the better is the, the one that most of us would use, the HDMI. I don't remember all those signals anymore. And the best is the one that only people with 4K TVs care about. 
that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. You're right. And then I also think sometimes, I think when they started too, they, I think the services were one of their selling props was simplicity, right? You get confused with all the other options and pins and things and, you know, you buy one package, which it doesn't get the, you know, HBO and that's what you really wanted. So here's a really simplistic way of accessing great programming. And maybe that's why they pull off on this. Yep. Although Hulu does, because Hulu has no ads, ads, and now it has the live TV. I have Did them all, Hulu? Mark. <laughs> Are you buying their good, better, and best? No, I, I don't have the live TV, although I've been tempted a few times, sporting events. <laughs> exactly. How else are you going to watch the Buckeyes play football? <laughs> right. Now, I forgot. I was going to I was going to say something really brilliant. Oh, it's that one time a year, too. Right? I know. <laughs> Well, odds are that a lot, most people listening are not product managers or product marketers for a streaming service, although I do know we have some. Uh, what are some of the lessons from the streaming services, though, that we might be able to apply to our own products and to our own way of thinking? Well, I think the two lessons, are they, they applied in both cases, but the two lessons I would teach everybody is lesson number one, think about who the different customers are that you could have and their willingness to pay. and then can you craft an offer for those individual customers? How is it that you can get people who are willing to pay you more to pay you more? Uh, and so what's that price segmentation look like? Now the Netflix example, it's more of a, uh, how do we stop people from stealing our product? But it's still a price segmentation technique where we're trying to figure out who's using it for free that shouldn't be. And, and how do we get those people, uh, get an offer out that, that says that they'd be willing to pay us. And I think it's interesting with the Netflix one too. It's not a, it's not like, you know, the FBI warning at the beginning of movies. It's like, we'll come arrest you, right? It, it is a, it is a soft. It's sort of like, you know, you might be in a, if you feel slightly guilty about this, here's an option uh, that you could do. I think it's an interesting approach too, that there, it is still a fairly customer friendly approach to sort of reminding them that they're not doing what they said they would. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. Is that they are being friendly and nice about it. They're not they're not being a uh, strict, mean. So, the the other lesson I really would like people to take away from is as you offer lower end products, because everybody always thinks, hey, I want to go, I want to go have a lower end product to get more people into my marketplace. Uh, we stand the risk of people who pay us full price or or buy our higher end products to buy down in the product category. Uh, so we actually, we, we risk losing money from our current customers because we offer cheaper offers. And it's, it's interesting. You usually see it go the other way, right? Where I had a cheaper option and then I add more premium. It is very interesting and probably a testament of Disney's brand power that they still feel confident they can hold, hold there or, or it could either be the brand power or they, they really didn't get maybe the household penetration that they thought they would. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's price. Yeah, so everybody knows that I think that the going up strategy, going up market strategy is brilliant. Yeah. Because then you get people who might be buying your current product to buy up in the category. They pay you more money. So I think that's just a brilliant strategy to take. But a lot of companies think, how do I get more people in and how do I get a lower end product? And, oh, my competition is charging less. I have to do a lower end product. And, and, and it's just risky. I'm not saying it's not a bad, it's not mm -hmm. a good decision. I'm just saying it's risky and you got to be careful with it. Yeah, you have to be really, yeah. Well, and I mean, I guess they, you can always make the argument with a subscription business too, I can get them in and get them hooked and then I can, I can 
raise it along the way, but it, it does not without its short-term risk. Yeah, the disadvantage to companies like Disney is that they're very you know, well-known. And so when Disney makes a move or does something, it gets in the newspaper and everybody gets to hear about it, right? But if Mark's pricing company changes our low-end subscription product, anybody who's a current customer doesn't know anything about it, right? So they're not thinking, oh, let me look at Mark's webpage every day to see if by chance he offered a lower-end product to me. They are right now, though, just to be super clear. <laughs> right, I probably are. <laughs> and, and the truth is I only offer one, so it's like, okay, <laughs> wait. Where's that good, better, best that we talked about? Right? Mark. Oh, man. Oh, all right. Well, that was super fun so talking about sort of Disney and Netflix and the streaming services uh, and the lessons that we can all apply in there regarding, you know, segmentation and pricing levels. And so, as always, I enjoyed your perspective on that. Thank you. Well, I have to ask you a question because we didn't bring this up and I was surprised. Oh. We're doing this because pricing is the box of the month. It is the box of the month. So do we get any special kudos for that or? <laughs> I mean, I think being the box of the month is kudos enough. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah. So actually uh, for those listening, we're going to have, we're going to do four, four of these different sessions on totally different pricing topics with Mark to delve in. Um, we've got a great ebook coming out. We've got a lot of great resources on pricing. We actually have a webinar with the uh, head of pricing for Zoom that's coming up. Really? Mm-hmm. Can I do the interview? I, uh, I, I, <laughs> I mean, okay with me. I think it's supposed to be me. I think it could be you either way. <laughs> uh, Unless um, you're going to give them gotcha questions. That would be. That would never, be. never. Um, okay. We could discuss that later. Listeners, we'll see who wins this argument. She has yes. all the power. <laughs> <laughs> but awesome. All right, Mark. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. And we will be coming back on the podcast soon to talk about more stuff. Thanks, Rebecca. Talk to you later. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And don't forget to join us next week uh, when Mark and I tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career with great pricing. <laughs>